Here we go. Live oh. Hello, hello, right. hello. We're doing it. Max, how are you? Good, good. How are you, King? I'm very good, thank you. Very good. Yes, thank you very much for joining me. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Real pleasure. It's all good. It is all good. Uh, and shout out to uh, to Ukraine. We were just talking about that just there. You're in, in kind of Ukraine. Uh, all the best to to Ukraine and the people of Ukraine. I heard this morning on the news that uh, Ukraine is going to get a fleet of German and Polish tanks, which uh, big should big. Yeah, that should that should help. So yeah, all the best and uh, and all that lot. I appreciate that a lot. And like to all of uh, those who are listening. Uh, Thank you so much for all the support that we're getting here uh, in Ukraine from all of you guys. We highly appreciate it. And uh, after the victory, uh, we will for sure visit all of uh, you personally, hopefully, and kind of celebrate this all together. So again, thank definitely, you. Definitely, definitely. One big meetup will do. Um, <laughs> and speaking of meetups, there is uh, there is an event happening in March. Those of you who've been tuning in so far this year will know about the European Chatbot Summit, which VUX World are a part of this year. We're doing a track on day two on March the 16th, and it is going to be all about enterprise automation using conversational AI. We've got Vodafone, we've got Love Holidays, LNER, Decathlon, Stepstone, and Total Jobs Group all sharing the best practice for how to implement conversational AI in the enterprise use cases, uh, insights. It's presented by our headline sponsor, Core AI, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. If you want to save some money, 30% discount on the tickets if you go to theeuropeanchatbot.com and you can use the promo code VUXEU23. And we look forward to seeing you there. Uh, so Max, tell, tell us about Bots Crew. Sure, sure. So I'm Max, the co-founder of Bots Crew. And uh, what we are, we're the chatbot development company. So we provide our customers with the end-to-end chatbot development, uh, starting from discovery phase, where we try to understand kind of your business needs, the data that you have now, and what can be automated and how, right? The ecosystem of your tools, et cetera, et cetera, all the way to design and, all right, we may have just lost Max. <laughs> this Ooh. happened yesterday, and there's a reason. Uh, one of the many stacking up reasons why uh, why we'll definitely be leaving this this platform. I won't tell you exactly what platform this is because um, I won't uh, I won't bash those uh, <laughs> the provider, but it is not great. We're going to move back to our old platform. Uh, starting immediately, <laughs> so we'll give Max uh, we'll give Max a moment to, to turn up. But while we do wait for Max, uh, I wanted to kind of uh, one of the things I was going to speak to Max about, which is worth kind of drawing up, is uh, obviously ChatGPT is getting a lot of headlines as it should because it's pretty good. Uh, there's been some mixed headlines though. Actually, apparently, people in Kenya have been used to basically review and process responses for ChatGPT. And uh, I saw a tweet actually as well this week where somebody went for a machine learning role interview at OpenAI and the job that they would be tasked with was basically creating code, bug fixing code and explaining those bug fixes. Welcome back, Max. Yeah, apologies for that. So we actually got our lights shut off because like this is what we're doing, regular uh, turning off of the lights. Uh, because of the stripes, uh, so that's where it happened live. 
So they happened live, live, live <laughs> and direct. This we're, we're we're dealing with it in real time, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is fine. I was I was going on a bit of a ramble about ChatGPT, but I'll let you finish your introduction to bot copy. Uh, sorry, um, bot crew first, and sure, sure. Uh, and then we'll get on to ChatGPT. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. So like again, starting from discovery phase, QA, okay, no, design of uh, the chatbot, conversational design, of course, then development. Uh, quality assurance and then ongoing improvement to achieve this business result that we set for ourselves at the very beginning, right, over time. Uh, and we're actually kind of working with many different companies industries. Lately, a lot of our chatbots are in healthcare and e-commerce specifically, concentrated on processes automation, specifically customer service automation, of course, and as well as some of the marketing use cases uh, that are quite a um, kind of successful uh, area for us too. Nice. Sounds good. Um, sure. I was I was just kind of explaining about ChatGPT uh, when mm. when you when you kind of got cut off there. I was kind of explaining about a few things. One is um, how it's obviously been hyped up tremendously at the moment. It's kicked off a brand new phase of the hype cycle for conversational AI, which we didn't mm. expect sure. and didn't foresee coming. It's been through that phase a few times before. You know, Facebook Messenger went through that phase, and then Alexa yeah. went through that phase, and everything yeah. kind of goes through that. But then ChatGPT is taking us through that again. Um, what are your thoughts on on it so far? And the general, the, not ChatGPT specifically, we'll talk about that, but like the general craze at the moment. Yeah, so I think that it's crazy. Like, as, uh, as we just mentioned before in our call, everyone is now calling themselves ChatGPT experts. So like there were blockchain experts and uh, crypto experts, all sorts of experts from the very first days of when this technology comes. Uh, to life, they're experts in ChatGPT. So overall, crazy things. I do feel myself as it was in 2016 with Facebook Messenger launching chatbots, where people actually are now we're getting a lot of the inbound uh, kind of leads coming to us saying, "All right, so I want to create a ChatGPT." And all right, so what do you want, ChatGPT? And like, like what is the problem that we're trying to solve? I don't know, but we have to use ChatGPT. And that's what's happening a lot this day, so I have to explain every time. What is for, what you can what it can do, what it cannot do, why it's not kind of good to just have ChatGPT as an idea without any uh, business needs or a kind of clear ideas of value in mind. But really, really, really big hype. I was not expecting that uh, for sure. It's crazy. I, uh, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole last night and okay. uh, shout out to Martin Redstone. He posted something on LinkedIn, which was, uh, it was somebody else that actually posted it and he reshared it. And it was kind of a bit of a complaint about these kind of like new AI influencers who were kind of like just jumping on the chat GPT bandwagon. So I thought, I want to I wanna just have a look for myself. So I went on YouTube and my wife had gone to bed and I spent probably about half an hour or 45 minutes too long last night going through and, and having a look at some of these chat GPT videos. And they are all... <laughs> absolutely crazy like one of them is called seven businesses that you can start with chat gpt and in the video all the chap does is he's wearing he's wearing a, an nft hoodie you know the only thing was missing is he, he, he should have been, he should have been presenting this video from the metaverse and he would have been he would have ticked all the boxes but he only did yeah. in the video is just name a bunch of different companies like Perplexity AI, like uh, Jasper AI, basically tools that are not built using ChatGPT, tools that are built using either GPT-3 or other large language models, that are businesses that already exist. It's not like you can just start that business because that is the business. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's mental. Why not? 
<laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, well, why don't you just do the same as this company? Do exactly the same thing. And then the other one, there was another one. It was so funny. This guy introduced it, and it, the video was called something like "How to Make Eight Thousand Dollars a Week Using ChatGPT." And he, the guy introduced the video with a line that was very similar to this. He said, "Hey, everybody, you might be aware that there's been loads of uh, uh, ChatGPT videos going around lately, and everyone seems to be jumping on the bandwagon, telling you how you can make money with ChatGPT, and most of them are a load of rubbish." Now, mm. I have to admit, I've made a few of those videos myself, but this one, <laughs> this one's different. <laughs> All right. Oh. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Great times. Unbelievable. So, so on the one hand, the hype is uh, is definitely blowing conversational AI into the stratosphere and putting it into new communities. New people are, are becoming aware of it. The sacrifice of danger there is that maybe it creates unrealistic expectations from what these things actually do in production, especially for enterprise. Um, yeah. And also, is there a risk? Do you think? I, I definitely think that this is the case. I'd be curious to get in your thoughts. When NFTs go through that hype and when crypto goes through that hype and when Web3 goes through that hype and the metaverse goes through that hype, it can kind of, it can kind of, um, I think, give people the wrong impression. It almost can seem a little bit scammy, like it's yeah. a bit of a scam. Yeah. And my kind of fear deep down is that like the thing that we've all been working on for well more than half a decade for those of us like yourself that have been doing this for, for a while, the little fear in the back of my mind is, is it, is it good? For, for the conversational AI kind mm -hmm. of movement or is mm -hmm. it going to create that kind of feeling amongst people that actually this is all kind of a bit of a get-rich-quick scam and mm -hmm. it's, it's all a bit of an mm -hmm. empty promise? Got it. That, that's actually a good thought right there. So I would say that for me, I hope uh, and I believe it will be rather a good in the long run than a bad. I think like short term it will be similar where we'll, we'll get this again high, go down, but then steadily we'll go up again. And uh, the technology itself is beautiful, and there's indeed ways that you can use this in business, uh, as it was with chatbots before. So, like, it's just our goal, the goal of our industry, again, is to educate businesses of how to use it properly, right? And kind of bring that education um, to, to all of the world that, like, hey, this is a scam, and this is what we can do for the good, right? This is how we can actually use it in your business, in whatever to bring that value for your users and not get one thousand um, dollars a day from this new cool business that you launched in a week right uh, but actually long like in the long run uh, you will get a very clear benefit from such a fantastic technology i think so again i think it will be complicated for sure for us uh, again and people listening but in the long run again i believe that this will be rather a good uh, thing for the industry uh, and kind of another not refreshment, I'd say, but at least back on top of uh, people's mind, especially now with crisis, uh, like unfolding recession, uh, people are talking about it a lot. So maybe people will start thinking about chatbots again and they will come to us and they will say, I want to automate something, I want GPT-3 and we'll have a chance to explain. I don't think you need ChatGPT here today, right? You need this and that. We, we see that you have this questions that are more popular for you. So let's concentrate on this and see like, how will that work? Works great. Everyone is happy and people got educated and have the success stories. And kind of that's, of course, always good for the industry. So that's kind of my vision. Mm. Have you been experimenting with, with large language models from a product perspective with Bots Group? Mm -hmm. Yes, we actually have been uh, experimenting with that for a while already, even like with GPT-3. 
uh, version. But overall, now we do have commercial cases with that, where uh, one of them is more of we use specifically GPT 3.5 for more of the fun fun reason, where we have uh, um, kind of actually our com our customers from the UK. And they have a really structured flow. This, this is the existing chatbot. And then in one part of the flow, we have this kind of gamification uh, aspect of the chatbot where we say, so I am this uh, kind of character anyway, and you can ask any questions in the world that you think of asking. And we say chat GTP or GTP 3.5 to answer this question as this character, of course, with some filters there. And it's kind of a fun experience. So that's kind of one. And second, we are using it for a better natural language understanding. So we have an existing chatbot uh, that is customer service chatbot, actually. And we were using Dialogflow to understand user intents. And now we tried uh, GPT 2.5, natural language understanding aspect. And it works quite well for us. So we see uh, two times more um, Kind of confidence from like right responses in a way, like right understanding of the intents, and it requires less training data, of course. So yes, we are using that uh, already, but not kind of across all of our projects. We're kind of carefully adding this uh, to our portfolio. Mm. And what's what's that use case then? What what kind of industry and, and kind of use cases that could you share a bit more? Sure. So this uh, first industry and use case is the. Uh, actually, this is the startup from the UK. They're called Core Maze. And what they're doing, they are um, allowing people to have fun mazes across London where they have a chatbot uh, who will provide them some hints and clues, etc. And they should answer and solve some puzzles. And after they solve some puzzle, they go to that place in London or that place in London and visit specific restaurants. So again, that's a great... Uh, tool for, for example, team buildings, uh, where again you go through this, uh, you know, the escape rooms. There are such things. Yeah, as yeah. Sounds, rooms. I was going to say, sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah, but that's more about around the city. So you're kind of doing that, and the chatbot is right. the main uh, user interface. And this is where we added this um, aspect of uh, ChatGPT. So that's one. And then the second one is in e-commerce customer service automation. Is the beauty uh, personal beauty company and they're uh, automating their customer service. Again, this is the real working chatbot already. We got some good rates of automation, but we wanted to, like they wanted to, and we wanted to test natural language uh, aspect, understanding aspect of ChatGTP within their chatbot to see how that would work for them. So that's kind of two use cases for now. Nice, interesting. That's good. I mean, a lot of the sort of platform providers have... Um, I know it's early days. Everyone's experimenting with it, but yeah. not everyone has kind of gone to the point where they've put it live in a public-facing situation yeah. yet. You know, a lot of them, for example, like VoiceFlow, have put it to us in a situation where, as a designer, you would use it to help you create, help you generate mm, sample awesome. utterances, help you generate yeah. response variations. Cognology yeah. had a webinar today where they presented using ChatGPT uh, 3.5 in a very similar way as you've just described there, which is handling it, handling the conversation when the conversation goes off the rails um, yeah. and, a, and a few other use cases as well. Um, but obviously that's just an announcement. It's, there's no live cases there. So you've kind of, I know I, we've only just started kind of really exploring how companies are really implementing this mm -hmm. stuff. And we, we're kind of in, I would say maybe four, three or four episodes in, into that now. We've got mm -hmm. a lot coming up. We've got Core here coming up. We've got Cognigy coming up, mm -hmm. Core AI coming up. Um, 
So we're definitely kind of probing more into that. But from your perspective, uh, given that you've gone live with it, yeah. what are some of the considerations, rather than it being either a demo or something behind the scenes for, for designers, what are some of the considerations to have when you're going to go live with something that has GPT-3 infused within it? Because it can be a bit unpredictable, can't it? Like, What, what are your yeah. key considerations for that? that? That's a really good point. So like first, for the um, Gourmet project, it's still not live, so that's kind of the announcement, uh, I'd say, mm-hmm. and they're they're going live pretty much next week, I think. Uh, so no data for there, for that, that there. But uh, what we did there is that kind of we, at the very specific place where we will send the message from the user to ChatGPT, we tell the user that, hey, this is only the only place where we do that. And we say that, hey, so this is the uh, ChatGPT GPT 3.5. So like disclaimer, I'll say. So they know yeah. what to expect. So they're not kind of, uh, really triggered by that. For the more business use case, I would say that like, you have to be, my recommendation again, uh, is to use that much more about um, kind of understanding natural language rather than creating the responses. Because we're using the right. same responses uh, that we used um, for the previous chatbots, so they're kind of controlled. Uh, and we do not allow GPT 3.5 to be too creative. So we say, look for responses here only from this uh, knowledge base and say like, your goal is to only identify the intent, right? right? If you identify the intent right, then match it to one of those responses and that's it. And that's the only kind of um, thing that we use it for. And that's where I think it's, it shows this power in a more safe manner because there, like customer wanted to also scrape their website and kind of with ChatGPT and uh, do all sorts of stuff like that, automatically generate responses. And we said, no, we don't want to do that at least at this point before mm-hmm. it's kind of maybe tested well enough. So yeah, again, we used intent that we had before and existing responses to only understand nature language better. Right. So I've seen examples of this where, um, for example, to recognize the intent, you would, and people can try this at, at home, you would give it, you would give ChatGPT uh, a list of current intents. Let's say your assistant has 50 intents. Just the name of the intents, provide that to ChatGPT and then give them, give it an utterance and ask it which intent it maps to. And the results are absolutely unbelievable and the confidence score that it gives as well. Just yeah. by giving the name of the intent, zero training data, mm. just the name of the intent and a sample utterance mm. is incredibly accurate. It's yeah. it's unbelievable. It's almost as if training data for language models okay. basically won't be needed anymore. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's a very good point. And that's what we did as well. We, we gave two user phrases as kind of examples uh, for ChatGPT anyways. But it's kind of like uh, you are hiring a person already knows stuff, so you don't have to explain what are the ways of asking what is the status of my order. You give it just, if someone asks you about the status of your order, you always go to this message and that's it. You don't have to give this 20 uh, different variations of the same uh, question anymore. And this is this is just kind of beautiful news for us because it saves so much time. Um, and I see big potential there. Mm. It's a... Uh... Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Shout out to uh, Rajat, who's uh, who said hello on LinkedIn. If there's a few people tuning in on LinkedIn, if you've got any questions for Max or myself around large language models and, and stuff like that, put them in the in the chat, and we'll uh, we'll do our best to get to them. Um, 
Yeah, it almost seems to me, and I've mentioned this a number of times, I gave a talk in uh, 2021, I think it was, uh, which was looking at the future of conversation design. And at the time, I was speaking to companies like Got It AI, Zero Shot Bot, Vlooper, um, Hyro, and all of those platforms, they don't really use intent-based NLU systems. It's all transformer-based, not necessarily OpenAI's uh, language models. There's other, obviously other language models that they'll be using un- under the hood. Um, and my conclusion at the end of 2021 is that essentially the NLU component will become commoditized. And a conversation designer's job is going to be basically more about making sure the end experience is the right kind of experience, managing things like potential hallucinations, managing things like the analytics and the progress through the conversation and fixing issues and sourcing and writing proper copy. If you've got a knowledge base that's not created for conversation, taking that knowledge base and turning it into conversational responses with, with based on the notion that the NLU will become commoditized, it seems to me that LLMs, given that you can ac- accurately identify an intent with very yeah. few short learning sample phrases, yeah. has be- basically commoditized NLU. Would, would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah, totally agree. And I think that's a great summary. Great summary. Yeah. Interesting. Um, cool. So talk to us then about... Um, We'll, we'll come back to LLMs and, and stuff like that if anyone has any questions on it. Um, but, you know, we, we started the conversation there talking about the war in Ukraine. Um, there's There's been other big events that have been happening. Maybe it's not quite to that kind of scale for, for the Ukrainians, but obviously there was COVID just before it. And it seems yeah. now that, that, I don't know, every couple of weeks or every month or so, that <laughs> there's something happening, like a, a yeah. crisis going on um obviously the ukraine war is, is dwarfing a lot of other things but kind of like generally speaking in, in the last few years there's been a hell of a lot going on uh and and yourself and bots crew has kind of been right in the midst of all of that catering for in, in these situations providing conversational ai solutions to assist in these times of of need and it, it kind of gets really to the heart of some of the value that this technology can play. So I wonder whether you can talk us through some of those use cases and some of them examples. Sure, totally. So I do agree, kind of, we are lucky to, to be in, in Ukraine here for the last three years. We are kind of in emergency mode uh, from mm. COVID uh, and all of this chaos around what does it mean? Am I sick? What, like, my stomach hurts? It must be COVID, whatever. Prior to uh, 24th of uh, February last year, where when the war started, uh, bombings, etc., uh, etc. Et so we're kind of in this for a while, and uh, we're just trying to do what we do best and kind of fit our expertise into all of this. And what we understood in that is that during these times of crisis and emergency, uh, the information uh, is really important, and time is kind of um, at the essence, like of the essence. So we have to do things and communicate uh, changes or kind of news and events very quickly and to big groups of people, very diverse people with different kind of needs. So for example, when uh, kind of the war started here, of course, our media, radio, all of uh, them were kind of talking about what to do. So go to shelters, like bomb shelters, kind of take the necessary stuff with some uh, food, whatever, for a couple of days, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but people still, of course, get questions. Like they, they have some questions. For example, one of their recommendations was to try and move from eastern parts parts of Ukraine to 
western parts of the Ukraine, the more safer areas. But people just don't know how to do that. Like, I don't have any uh, kind of people that I know there. And I'm sure that there are kind of millions of people going there right now. So there is definitely no place for us uh, to stay whatsoever. So like, and I didn't, like, I didn't have anyone to ask. And if you call some hotlines, of course, they're over uh, kind of over capacity because millions of people are getting this problem right now. You cannot do anything, you cannot hire another million people right away. So that's where this personal communication at scale is a very clear value. And kind of, again, our, my opinion is that Chatbot is the most appropriate user interface and the tool for that. Because uh, pretty much you can build these personal conversations quite quickly at scale again and add this content and news and update it really fast. So a real world example that was uh, there, so the war started 24th of uh, February and the very same day uh, we got the call, my partner actually, uh, his name is Nazar, got the call from uh, Live IT Cluster and Live IT Cluster is this organization uh, that kind of is a cluster of IT companies of our region, of the region. So like this organization got a call from our head of uh, state administration saying, so tomorrow uh, we will have at least 100,000 people uh, in Lviv. There will be kind of adults, kids, families, all sorts of people, and they need to find accommodation, right? With no exceptions. So go and figure something out, right? So that's kind of how it works in this situation. You don't really know how to manage them, so you just say what we need and you figure it out. So they kind of came to us because we already worked with them on one project and they said that, hey, we have this uh, problem, what do you think, guys? And uh, we decided that maybe there is a chance to actually build a chatbot like that. So we had a team of three people of our team who volunteered, um, Andre, who is our developer, uh, Anka, conversational designer, and Darina, uh, who is our QA. and by 10 a.m. in uh, the morning of the 25th of February, so less than 24 hours, we already had a chatbot that was both on Facebook and Telegram that was able to connect people who are willing to provide their housing, right, from Lviv, like from Western parts of Ukraine, to those who are fleeing their homes to kind of find uh, the houses in this region, right? And from this, story again less than 24 hours we already got this solution that connects uh, uh, both parties right so people who are fleeing can clearly at their can register let's say open facebook messenger or telegram telegram is a very big channel messaging channel for us here that's why we chose it and uh, they just put their kind of name phone number and number of people who would like to have uh, some accommodation and from the other side uh, people who are willing to provide their houses or rooms, whatever, um, they can just say that, hey, I have a room of this and this, as well register. And then they were kind of automatically connected. So each um, person who is trying to find a house would get three recommendations by, based on their filters and actually got the kind of contact details of the person who can host, uh, host them. And uh, I think like the latest number that I remember was 60,000 people who actually potentially found this uh, accommodation uh, during this stressful period. Because again, 
when this emergency happens, all you feel is fear, uh, uncertainty, and information overdose because like the information is coming from everywhere and you don't really know what to do. Can you have your backpack with all the necessary stuff, documents and kind of your family, but like what to do next? And like on TV, on media, they will not tell you that because you cannot provide that message to all of the people uh, because you have to only provide these key things. Uh, and that's where, of course, we see the benefit of tools like chatbots very clear. So under 24 hours, we have a chatbot that connects people and families uh, to find their houses. Uh, and then it's really easy to add more and more uh, kind of features there. And uh, again, have all the benefits of the simple interface of the bot, no need to install anything, no need to learn the interface of this app. And also what's more also important is that you don't need to have really good internet connection, like to download the apps, et cetera, et cetera. So you can, mm do that on the go. So definitely this is where um, conversational AI specifically is very helpful and um, unbelievable. That that is that is first and foremost, that is a commendable and fantastic use case and a commendable mm -hmm. act to get it set up. And I think there's a number of things that that kind of fire in my brain there. One is there is absolutely no way that this would have worked without it being a conversational interface. Yeah. Because if you look back at COVID, how I don't know what it was like in Ukraine at the time, but it took the UK months and months and months and billions of pounds. I don't know if, it, if maybe that's a lie. It might not be in billions, but it was definitely mm. millions uh, mm. to build an app, which was a COVID tracker app. By the time it was ready and got through certification and got through the app store, COVID was pretty much not yeah. over, but it was the, the the need for it had completely died down and hardly anyone used it. Massive waste of money. Being able to build yeah. a conversational interface that does all everything you need it to do and just slip yeah. it into an existing channel that everyone's already got access to yeah. is one of the single most valuable parts of of that kind of conversation. It's getting something ready in twenty four hours is absolutely that that is unheard of in the kind of app development or even website development totally. space. Yeah, you won't be able to do that with that without kind of proper planning, budgeting, uh, requirements and stuff like that. There's like designs are more complicated, I would say, for all of these uh, interfaces. So I, yeah, definitely conversational um, AI is is the best tool here. Again, as you mentioned, totally agree here. Time is of the essence. So if you do not do it now, tomorrow, it's already... It's, it's not necessary, right? And the information mm -hmm. will update so fast, especially with, with COVID too, for example, when we, when we had COVID, we had the same experience kind of here, similar to what you were saying, but information was changing really fast, right? But the, and people kind of needed them, this information right away. So hospitals and doctors were overwhelmed with calls too, with the questions. Again, I have a stomach, uh, kind of, my stomach hurts, whatever I want to, uh, I definitely have COVID, what should I do? And all sorts of like stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it, it brings us this ability to build stuff much quicker and when it's needed, uh, instead of having that a couple of weeks from the moment when it's needed. Yeah, yeah, that's wicked. So <clears throat> talk, walk us through how it kind of worked then. So I, 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 get the, I get the concept, I just don't, I'm probably missing a couple of details. So uh, for those people who were moving kind of east to west, they've got yeah. a very short term um, notification that's come out from the government, trying to start moving. Uh, they don't know where they're going to go. They don't know yeah. where they're going to stay. <clears throat> yeah. There's people 
in the West who have accommodation or spare rooms or whatever like that, they're up for, for kind of, you know, uh, having people stay there. Um, yeah. What what specifically happens? Because you, you, you must presumably have, well, I, I don't know, you can tell me. How, how does the pairing work? So I text it and I say, there's me and my family, there's three of us in total, one kid, you know, yep. we need somewhere to stay. What happens to that message then? Like, how does that message get to somebody else? Do you just, you know, do you send a message to everyone who's registered their interest and say, look, someone's mm-hmm. looking? Or do you have a separate place where you can have a register of everyone who's looking? Like, how, how does that connection work? It seems as though you're going to have thousands of input from both sides. Yeah, exactly. And with a conversational interface, with that much data, how do you do the job of matching them together? I don't, I don't quite get it. Yeah, that's a good question. So, like... Um how it works is we have a database again of both uh, parties, those who are moving, those who are building to us. And if we have any request matching, we have the kind of matching the criteria. So again, I am moving uh, to the best of parts. I say I need uh, to host three people for two days. Uh, this is my content details, right? So either immediately right after this message, I get three proposals from the database of the uh, people who are willing to host me, right, with the descriptions of this place. That, hey, this is the place, my name is Max, and I have one room, or I have whatever, right? So that's that, that matches your criteria. And you just have to click and choose. If there are no options at all available, then we say there are no available options, and as soon as they uh, kind of uh, will be there, we will send you a notification. So that's right. Right, fair enough. That makes sense then. Yeah. So yeah, so it's all done by this database. And I suppose it doesn't necessarily matter about being super accurate. It matters about being accurate, but it doesn't matter about being kind of like um, t- typically with let's let's just take for example, if if people weren't going to use a chatbot and they were going to use something else, like let's say that uh, Booking dot com or Airbnb enabled this feature for you to list your house for free. Yeah. In that situation, you're going to have thousands of houses to look through. And, yeah. and what what websites tend to try and do is give you every possible option and then yeah. make you filter it down. Whereas yeah. in this situation, how did you approach that kind of scaling down? Did you just say like, okay, in this database, uh, there's 10,000 people who actually match this request. Let's just skim the first three and send the mm-hmm. first three. Once they're gone, mm-hmm. we'll move down the list. Like, Is that the process yeah. or did you have another process? So, so that's actually, uh, I have to say that this was the decision, this were the decisions made by the team uh, who was doing that. Uh, so again, of uh, the developer QA and uh, the conversational designer. Yeah. So this is all what they came up with. So we didn't right. uh, help them much, to be honest. And uh, this, this was a decision. I think the decision was uh, a good decision because our goal is to get to uh, the booked houses kind of, and kind of people having their houses as soon as possible. So you don't, you don't want to show all of the lists, like filter through stuff, kind of find uh, the kind of apartments with the best view. Like you just want to stay somewhere, right? And yeah. the faster you get there to that point, the easiest. And we just give, give three options just in case, because uh, what can happen, for example, that this, uh, this apartment that I wanted, I got the details uh, to, I'm calling and it's already busy because that uh, host forgot to say that um, it's already taken. You can do that from the bot. You can delete your uh, apartment as available from the bot. And that's why we give you three options. Maybe this person is not taking their phone, whatever. So, and that's it, right? And if that doesn't work, then you can 
kind of ask for more. But um, I'll say our key goal was to find the place to stay for the night or two as soon as possible. And that's why we gave these mm. three options right away. Mm, that's wicked. So, so yeah. presumably then you give three options. Someone says, yes, option two is good. That then goes back to the database, removes that option, and there's a there's yeah. a flag there that says text the person whose option this is and tell them that this person wants to stay there. Here's a phone yeah. number. Call them, yeah. arrange yeah. it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wicked. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. Exactly. How did how did that get adopted? How did people know to to actually use it? Honestly, uh, quite easily because like the interface was quite simple. It's like the conversation again. Uh, the got kind of our institutions helped us with promotion of this tool. We didn't have to right. do much. So like our local governments had like on official page that now we have this chatbot. We can find uh, house. Uh, to stay at right and that's that's pretty much it and the conversational flow was quite easy to understand for everyone and what's kind of important i don't know if you know that or not but chatbots and messengers in general are quite um like oftenly used here in ukraine so uh we had a lot of chatbots before even we have a chatbot called open data bot uh, which is the government bot that helps to find information uh, about certain business entities and stuff like that, uh, or about yourself, uh, like many stuff, like governmental uh, app, pretty much. So we are used to uh, the conversational AI as uh, interface, and that's why we didn't have any troubles with uh, with that. Plus, we had this nice, as always, quick replies, and kind of the process was really well structured. So we didn't allow for much free text input. Uh, that I can say, big. Kind of text with my problems and my uh, specifications of the house that I'm looking for. Strictly do you, have, do you have anything? Do you have anything with a pool? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. So yeah, it was it was quite a good adoption, I'll say. So and we're really happy with it. That's good. I, I do think that you know if we were around the clock and we went back to um, COVID instead of these apps, if there was just a WhatsApp yeah. chatbot which just allowed you to ask questions, get answers. Uh, mm-hmm. You text it, you know, your location or a picture of where you are. And I don't know, that wouldn't work, but find a way of sending coordinates to where you are when you check in somewhere. If you got Because yeah. what it was, when you check into a pub or whatever, and someone else checks into a pub, if they test positive, then you get yeah. pinged or whatever it was, you know what I mean? You yeah. quite easily get to a pub That's and cool. just text it and say, this is where I am. And then if yeah. someone else who's texted it, texts it again two days later says, I've got COVID, then it can figure it out. It seems like a real missed opportunity that. But I don't think yeah. in the UK and Europe adopt, well, not you because Ukraine's in Europe, but I mean, like, you know, our our kind of immediate mm-hmm. neighbours, Germany, mm-hmm. France, Spain. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, think, I don't think that the adoption of this stuff is quite the same. You know, mm-hmm. people know what a chatbot is, kind of, not everyone, but most people. Uh, everyone does use mm-hmm. Messenger, like like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or whatever, mm-hmm. but I, we don't have the same kind of presence for, for chatbots. Yeah. So, But, but yeah. I, I wonder whether that was part of the adoption or whether it was just because it's easy to use and mm-hmm. it's there and, and there's a real need. You know, the need mm-hmm. drives the adoption yes. more than anything else, doesn't it? You totally, know? totally. Yeah, we didn't have to sell anything or kind of design and have the right... Even like, I, I maybe I, I don't want to tell that as the founder of the chapel development company where we offer conversational design services, but we didn't do a lot of character or like tone of voice stuff because we mm-hmm. just didn't have time. 
like just make the conversational flow as easy as possible and as simple as possible. So maybe actually that's um, that's true too. And uh, I'll say for what what you mentioned for uh, COVID, um, actually this is something uh, I think World Health Organization had a chatbot for COVID yeah. uh, on WhatsApp, right? I think they did. Yeah. They, yeah, they did. It's like it was also quite a. I think they launched it in round. April or something, 2020, so almost four months uh, after it started actively yeah. to, to spread. But yeah, but but that was but that was but that was mainly for FAQs and stuff, wasn't it? Totally, like yeah. symptom checkers and stuff. Whereas the apps yeah. that were being built were all about tracking, like yeah. who's got COVID and have you been near mm-hmm. them, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I know they were trying to use the you know the the geolocation of your phone and stuff like that and, yeah. and coordinate it that way. Just seems to me yeah. that, like, with a bit more thought, you probably could have done that with a chatbot a little yeah. bit easier. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, funny you mentioned that because that other project that we did with that same uh, kind of IT cluster and our local government was the chatbot, uh, which was called Temperaturka. Uh, it's like a fever, um, and it was done for that purpose. So, we, but we had we had the myth, myth buster, of course. Uh, because there were many misinformation in the world, right? Having I mean, like what is COVID, what is not, and mm. that you can get COVID if you touch this table. That's it. You're sick, uh, whatever. Uh, but like we were doing that, had the FAQ part, but we also had the part where with the symptom checker, like we also developed this local chatbot for Facebook Messenger, where you can start using it uh, in your premium, and then you kind of tell your symptoms, we kind of based on the guidelines from World Health Organization will tell you kind of how likely you are that this is COVID and kind of uh, some, of course, basic recommendation, we cannot give them guidance whatsoever. But we also kind of ask them to um, put their um, kind of feeling, like how message us how they feel over time. So every day they would get a reminder if we saw that this person had a fever, for example, of 37.5 first day, we asked them the next day again, the next day again, and the next day again. And then we got this anonymized data that we've shown kind of to, uh, no, internally for our for our government, where they can see which, because we also asked for location actually, where they can see where the spike might be bigger or not, because this, is, uh, this was an important data for the city to have. And also with the data of that kind of journaling, your symptoms, so we're asking the same questions every day. So do you have, are you coughing? Like, uh, do you have a sore throat? Do you have the uh, fever again, right? And with that journaling, they will be able then, the users, to go to the doctor and say, already show them their history, kind of. Uh, so they know that they had this fever yesterday, before that, a week before, like, etc. So they can see the progression already um so that was also quite an interesting experience for us but like wicked yeah so i go on but like yeah i just wanted to say that it was again having a lot of users at the beginning but then it went down quite quickly with all the um, changes that were happening and the actually other programs that the um, government launched but again we were i think the first ones who uh, who had something like that to the market at least here in ukraine That's the thing, though. Like, conversational AI applications like this don't have to be something that are there forever. Like, it's fair enough if if you're, you know, 
I don't know, Waitrose or, you know, Walmart, you might mm-hmm. want a constant presence for over time for all of your customer needs yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. I think this is a really great example of conversational AI being so accessible that you can spin something up, have it solve a purpose, and then wind yeah. it down. And it's not it doesn't have to exist forever. It just needs exactly. to do the job it needs to do at the right time, serve the right people. And that's the value of being able to kind of spin up these things quickly, you know? And and again, this totally. this hasn't been possible with any other technology type before, has it? Totally. Yeah, and that's a very, very, very true. So again, it can be there for just this emergency timeline when you need it, and that's it. Emergency is over, hopefully, and kind of you can keep going with your lives. If not, what you can keep doing is, of course, based on this initial data that you gathered, you can kind of keep updating users about changes in COVID rules, whatever, or kind of new findings uh, by who, right? this kind of stuff. So you can keep the audience um, informed on this personal level. Uh, but as you mentioned, for some cases, it's just not, just not necessary. So it was there for two weeks, boom, served the purpose, goodbye. Yeah. And and you touched also on something that is crucial for all conversational AI applications. And it's partly sometimes the the value in that is is better than the actual experience or the need it solves, which is mm-hmm. the data that it can gather. Yeah. You were kind of saying there, if you're checking on people's temperature, you know their location, you can profile areas and po- down to a postcode level. This postcode or these five streets have got an outbreak. Let's get a message to the people in the surrounding streets saying stay indoors or whatever whatever the whatever the procedure yeah. is at that point. You know what I mean? Like getting the data from these conversational yeah. AI systems is, is just as important. Totally, totally agree. It's like it's it's a really easy way and kind of quite engaging way of getting data from uh, important data from the users in the time when you need it. Because like you would not achieve that with, as you mentioned, with the website, even with kind of some kind of a forms, Google Forms, no one would kind of try and use Google Form and uh, fill it out, go to this link, et cetera, et cetera, when you can have it all in your existing app, which is very easy to use for anyone. Yeah, definitely. That's wicked. Yeah, to register yeah, yeah, no account creation, exactly. no signing into Google, yeah. none of that rubbish. It's yeah. uh, it's really interesting because all of the all of the things that over the years I've kind of pre- been pressing at for the value of conversational AI is kind of you know it's it's evident with all chatbots it's evident with all voice assistants with the companies that use them it's it's obvious you know you can you can meet users where they are you can make things accessible for everybody you can generate immense data that you can't generate on other channels uh, you can make changes quickly in real time you can you, there's all these benefits but yeah. all of a sudden when you condense something into a 24-hour period because you have to meet the needs of 100,000 people that need emergency assistance the, yeah. All of that gets compounded and conflated, and the benefits become kind of. It, that's that's basically, in a nutshell, the value of conversational AI, isn't it? In total. True. Yeah. And especially, it kind of it's very clear during this emergency situations, right? It's right there. Yeah. Is the uh, the one that was pairing kind of those that needed housing with those that have housing? Is that still live, or is, is that no longer needed? It's no longer needed. So it was live for quite a while, actually, but it's already been a year uh, since the war. I think that 14 million people fled their homes in general. So eight people 
to the kind of safer parts of Ukraine, I would say, and six people abroad. Uh, and I think now nothing kind of happened. So it was quite fast. So from the period when it started to the period when many people moved, the majority of, say, 99% moved was a couple of maybe months, uh, not more than that. So now it's just mm. not necessary. Mad. Again, yeah. uh, it's, it's wicked. And I think the take-home for a lot of people from this is that, you know, the, the, you, you've you've outlined basically the two biggest things probably that have happened in the world in the last kind of like three years mm-hmm. covid global pandemic the you the, the war which is you know although it seems as though on the face of it it's between russia and, and ukraine the reality is it's not it's it's a it's a global staged war that that everyone's involved in in some way shape or form whether it's providing aid and support or or whatnot so it's kind of like the two biggest events that have happened this decade in the last decade or in the last however long uh have happened in quick quick succession but it's it's kind of like yeah it's proven proven that that, that that there's value in this solution and for everyone else who's kind of you know maybe is in either in the us or or you know western europe or whatever who who might not necessarily have these real emergency situations that are, that are at the scale of this i think it still goes to show that you can spin this up very quickly uh, if you identify the right use case, you can have it solve a very a very specific problem, and and I think it kind of helps people to maybe try and break out of this thing, which is, as Tesco, we need to have a customer service chatbot that's there all the time. You obviously do yeah. need to do that, but what about if you just had a a chatbot that was there to do one specific sales promotion, or it was there to do one specific thing around, yeah. you know, utility companies right now perfect use case send a text message to every single one of your customers and ask them are you struggling to pay your heating bills right now and in, yeah. in minutes you can have a profile of households down to a postcode level for those that are actually struggling and then you can use that data to mobilize yourself to be able to provide further support and it doesn't have to be something that exists forever it could you could use it once next week take it down and then act on the data you know yeah. there's all kinds of areas where these principles that you've kind of shared today can be used for, for people yeah. Totally. And like, again, there, there, there are these chapels that I mentioned, uh, but like there are all sorts of emergencies happening all the time, actually, with uh, natural disasters or like whatever happens with, like, in certain regions. So uh, things change, right? Things change uh, quite like, unex- unexpectedly. And that's where you already have something where you need personal communication to many people and answer all of their questions very fast. And that's where chatbots can and bring that value. Um, and actually we, have, we had a couple of even commercial chatbots that we did for COVID handling, uh, for example, for the city of Chicago or for one of the airports in uh, the US, where we also kind of, with the policies changing all the time, uh, these airports wanted to open. The city wanted to kind of welcome tourists because they had all the rules already there and kind of vaccinations level, levels were quite high, but still the policies was changing a lot and people who want to visit the city did not know if that's already possible, if the restaurants are open, if I can go to the theater, because like, why do I want to go and visit and travel to the city if everything is closed there? Right, so the, kind of that's where it also brings some commercial sense because you bring that information fast enough, right? And people are making decisions based on that. So I, in this case, the restaurants are open, the uh, events, like live events that are outside are open, so I can go and visit, otherwise I will stay home and the city will not get another 
kind of visitor and spender for the city. And one of the latest one that I was really pleasantly surprised by was the our big network of cinemas. So we have this uh, big network in Ukraine uh, called Planeta Kino. And what they uh, did, so the work the work is Ukraine in Ukraine is still there, but businesses are opening back again. Right, of course, we try to bring our economy back and to again have. Uh, have some money for for the war, of course, and the cinemas are working. And because of uh, the air race sirens or stuff like that, or electricity outages, this cinemas might be kind of closing at the time. So I had this experience when I went to the movie uh, to finally watch something kind of back to normal, I'll say. And uh, I was watching this movie, and during the movie, air raid alarm kind of uh, started. And they had this big screen, first of all, before the movie starts, they have this big screen where they say, in case of air raid alarm, please uh, make sure you scan this code on the big screen. And the big code was a chatbot in Telegram and just let us know that we have this situation in the air raid alarm and we'll return your tickets and the money or you can choose any other movie. So you just, they only showed this QR code specifically uh, internally, so they did not publish it anywhere else. So it's mm -hmm. kind of easier already to understand which topic this uh, chatbot will cover, uh, right? And easier, of course, to manage for the service teams because they are overwhelmed with calls again, of course. Mm. And as well, kind of people have really clear path already right away. And that's how we kind of got other tickets for another movie really fast. So even that, right? So just see how uh, well adopted chatbots are today in Ukraine that movies can allow themselves to have them for a specific case like that. Interesting. That's so good. <laughs> it's it's really yeah. good. It is like it's it shows a sort of um it, yeah, it's definite difference in maturity in terms of people's willingness and kind of like desire to in interact with conversational interfaces. And and again, I don't I can't really compare it to the UK and say that the UK doesn't have the same sort of willingness. It's just that there mm -hmm. isn't those type mm -hmm. of solutions. We don't mm -hmm. use Telegram, you know, but there's you know, there's WhatsApp yeah. and there's there's other yeah. messaging channels Definitely. that that we could quite easily use. It just seems yeah. to me that, you know, businesses are not thinking on along those lines like they are yes. in Ukraine. They're not really open. Yes. They, they don't understand, essentially, is what it is. Yeah. And, like, that's our goal as, like, in the industry to bring that education because till today, uh, on the calls with potential customers, I'm getting some, I know, wow, Chatbots can do that. I thought that customer, like only, they can only automate customer service and that's it, right? So they do not understand that you can use chatbots for so many other things, for education of, uh, of your audience, right? Even for an elite conversion, just for fun, have a whole startup built as a chatbot, right? So you just keep explaining that and just find ways where conversation is the best fit for your audience there and do it. It doesn't have to be specific automation and saving costs. It can be, you know, getting costs. Mm. And some in some cases, even if conversation isn't the best way specifically of doing it, mm -hmm. the value is in the speed and the accessibility. Like th yeah. that use case of, of pairing people together. I would argue that that's a, a conversational interface isn't necessarily the best way of doing that because mm -hmm. some people might want to see the place, they'll have a look at it on yeah. a map, have more information. There's a lot. There's a lot of other things that a different interface could have brought to that engagement and that interaction. However, yeah. not every engagement, not every other alternative could have been 
instigated by just two clicks of your mobile phone, yeah. you know, straight to the app, bang, send a message. And yeah. it, not all could have been as, as easy to use and as simple. So even though the interface itself might not be like ideal, the, the other things around the speed of getting it to market, the accessibility and the access point for customers, the familiarity of the, of the access point and yeah. the immediacy of the need trumps yeah. perfect user yeah. experience. Totally agree. And especially with this emergency situations, again, you're overwhelmed with everything already. And if you see some new interface that you have to learn, understand where to click, how to filter, how to find, it just becomes uh, even more overwhelming, right? So I don't know how to do that. I cannot do it. So I just can leave me alone. But is your favorite messenger? Easy to understand. Mm. Yeah. Wicked, wicked. Definitely, definitely very, very uh, enlightening. Thank you so much, Max, for joining me. That's the perfect way to end it, I think. Um, very impressed. Perfect examples of use cases. Perfect fit with, from where conversationally I could really add value. Perfect mixture of real needs from customers and, you know, solutions provided. And uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of learnings there that people can take away from this. One, yes, as we said, um, the the speed that these things can be gotten, got to market, uh, the value they can bring from an analytics standpoint, um, but also the 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 kind of opening your eyes a little bit and understanding that these things can be transient. You can just create a chatbot for one thing, have it serve that purpose. Like in the cinema example, that's not going to be there forever. You know, it's going to disappear. Yeah. But it, yeah. it's serving a real purpose right now. And I think there's, there's so much that everyone can take away from that. So thank you very much for, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Real pleasure. No problem. I'll put the link to Bots Crew into the show notes. It's botscrew.com if you want to go and find out more about that. Uh, don't forget to uh, to go to the chatbot, the, the europeanchatbot.com as well if you want to register to attend VUX at the European Chatbot Summit in March on the 16th. Promo code VUXEU23 to save 30%. Thank you all so much. Next week is a massive week. The people still tuning in on LinkedIn. There's quite a few of you still there. I want to tell you next week is a massive week. We have the CTO of Cohere joining us on the podcast to talk about the Cohere large language model infrastructure and some of the use cases that that is enabling. Uh, and also we're going to have Core AI here as well, discussing how they're using large language models in their solution. And we're also going to hear from a startup called Noble, who has basically built a platform from the ground up on top of large language models. So some of the stuff we touched on today, perhaps Max, we we'll, we'll might get a little bit deeper into um, and I'm really looking forward to that. So thank you all for joining me. Thanks very much, Max, for joining me as well. And we'll see Same you here. on the next one. Have a good one. Cheers.